Today's show is brought to you by LootCrate.com. Save 10% on any new subscription at TryLootCrate.com slash profit. Enter code BRIDGE10 for your 10% savings. Now it's time to get profitable. This is the Personal Profitability Podcast with Eric Rosenberg. There, profiteers, welcome to the Personal Profitability Podcast for episode number 75. So today we talk about a range of personal finance topics, starting with something near and dear to my heart, student loans. Our guest today is Whitney Hansen, who actually has a fairly similar background to me. She has an accounting degree, I have a finance degree. Uh, We both went back and got master's degrees. Uh, We've both had big student loan payoffs. The one thing she's done that um, totally blows me out of the water. One, she bought her first house when she was 19 years old, which we don't really get into much in our interview. But uh, that's quite a feat there. You know, when most of us were 19, you know, I was more worried about my car than my house and, um, and a lot of things that had nothing to do with buying a house. Uh, next year, she paid off her $30,000 student loans in just 10 months, which, you know, me, it took two years to pay off 40000 which I thought was pretty good, but she puts me to shame. So I'm not going to uh, take too much time with this intro here because we have such a great conversation. We're going to dive right in. Uh, but please do be ready to take some notes and get ready to take some action. If you are trying to get out of debt or improve your budget or maybe even try to earn a little bit more, um, you know, any of those, those topics we get into in this interview, which we will start in about one minute right after this. Even profiteers have to let loose sometime, and when I want to take a break, I love 80s movies like Ghostbusters. But how do you indulge in a passion for something like that? Well, of course, the answer is Loot Crate. Loot Crate is like Comic-Con in a box. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items delivered to your door that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, and unique one-of-a-kinds for Ghostbusters and other fun brands. If you want to subscribe through the Personal Profitability Podcast, you can get 10% off. Head to trylootcrate.com slash profit and enter code BRIDGE10 at checkout for your 10% savings. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with our guest for today, who I'm very excited to have on the show. We have been FinCon friends for a while now, and now we are here to talk about millennials and money. So Whitney Hansen, are you ready to get profitable? I am so ready to get profitable, Eric. Awesome. I love it. So when you started your journey to profitability and this whole online business you have running now, where did that all come from? How did you get started? The the short answer is it started from personal experience. So I had graduated from college 2006 with my bachelor's in accounting. If you're trying to do the math, yes, that makes me 29. So when I was going through that process, I didn't really have the financial support to help me get through college from my family. So I kind of figured it out on my own, which resulted in $30,000 of debt, like very, very many people. And so I put together a plan. I was working as a staff accountant and a nail tech. So I did manicures and pedicures at the same time and put together a plan to pay off the entire $30,000. So I did that in 10 months and started coaching people for fun and went back to school for my master's in business. And during that time, I discovered this whole digital entrepreneurship world. 
and thought, this is so cool. I wonder if I could actually make a go at this. And so that's where it all stemmed from. But I was absolutely that nerdy kid in high school that was reading personal development books, listening to success CDs in my car, um, selling candy on the playground. Like that's always just kind of been in my genes. But that's where it all really began. I love it. You know, I had the same thing when I was a kid. I remember I wasn't quite selling candy on the playground. But remember when CD recorders became a thing, like the oh, first yeah. recordable CDs? I remember there was a guy in my class um, who had a few dollars more than I did when I was in eighth grade and got a, a computer <laughs> with a CD burner. And I thought, uh, what, a, what a cool idea. He started, I mean, this was totally illegal. We know this now. But uh, he was <laughs> making copies of songs and making mix CDs for people and selling them. That like, is so odd. Was it like LimeWire or FrostWire or something like that? Uh, this was like uh, the early Napster days, I think, was probably. Or maybe oh, he was dang. just buying all these CDs and making copies for money. I don't know. We could speculate. But that is that, so funny. I, I really think the entrepreneurial gene does start young. Um, it, people <laughs> kind of know if they have it. But it's not something that you have to be born with. It is something you can learn to like any other skill. Absolutely. So, so you got this fancy new accounting degree, you got your pile of student debt, you got a plan to pay it off. What did you do? How did, did the plan work out the way you expected? It worked out better than I expected, which doesn't always happen. But I think the reason why it worked out so well is because I committed to my plan fully. And what I mean by that is I said no Starbucks, no eating out, nothing extra, I was going to focus solely on paying off my debt. So I set a goal of 12 months. I thought one year would be, would be pretty cool to be debt-free. And from all of that work, I also rented my house out and moved in with my boyfriend to save some money. And so I sold all my furniture. Like It, it was a really sad time because that was my – it kind of symbolized my independence in a weird way. And moved in with my boyfriend, got cheaper rent – really sacrificed every single area I could. And because of that, it, I was able to pay it off two months earlier than I expected. So in 10 months is how long it took. And so it was really cool, but it was hard. There were times during tax season, especially during tax season, where I was working 70 to 80 hours a week. And I was so tired because of the two jobs that I just would would like occasionally be like, okay, I'm just going to go to Starbucks. I'm going to buy my Americano. I work hard. I deserve it. But ultimately, what I realized is even though it was like a two, three dollar drink here and there, that would not have derailed my whole plan. But I was kind of trying to prove to myself that I could be fully committed to it. And so that's where that's where I really saw the best results. So when you were doing all this hard work, obviously, you were living on a super slim margin there. If you going back, do you think it was worth avoiding all those little wants along the way to get that debt paid off? Absolutely. I think it was the greatest thing I've ever done for my financial life. And frankly, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't remember the things that I did and did not buy years before today. Like I, I just don't remember, but I do remember that sacrifice that I made and that like almost proof to myself that I could do it and I could do something really amazing and impressive. And so it set my entire financial life up for success. So by the time I was 21-ish is when I was officially debt-free, and I've been debt-free, excluding my mortgage ever since then. So I thought it was a well worth the sacrifice for sure. Uh, did you ever give in and buy something that was a want along the way, like a trip or anything? Or were you just for that 10 months, every single cent went right into the loans? 
that was pretty much it. Every single cent went to the loans. I did take a vacation after. So because 10 months is really nothing. If it were 10 years, it, that would probably be, be a different conversation. Might not be so I probably would have. <laughs> no, no, God, no. I think I would have taken the vacations and stuff a little bit sooner. But I was saving up all that money, putting it towards debt. So I just kept putting my entire accounting paycheck directly towards the debt is how I structured that. And then once I did that, I just redirected that to build up some savings and then took a really sweet vacation to Hawaii. That's awesome. What did you do in Hawaii? How did you I celebrate? I hiked. Oh my gosh, I hiked so much. I think we did like 20 miles within three days. That sounds exhausting. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> my, my boyfriend would agree with you. I, whenever I think of Hawaii now, I think of Lost, actually. That's what yeah. I was really meant to say. Like all those pretty vistas from the TV show. I was a lost addict when it was on. I was expecting the polar bear to come running out of the, the woods. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Obviously, you, know, you are a success story for as a millennial with money. The big media likes to pick on us and say that we are you know, not doing what you just did. But you're a good example that you know, anything is possible if you put your mind to it. So if someone else is out there today and they have new student loans or old student loans or credit cards, any kind of debt that they just want to get rid of and be done with, how should they start the process of getting ready to pay that off? It's a really good question because this is something I think a lot of people are going through right now. And it's, it's very heavy. It's not a lighthearted topic. But the best thing to do if you're trying to pay off the debt is you've got to do two things. Personal finance is all about income and expenses. I think we all kind of know that. But you've got to figure out a way to reduce your expenses down to a lifestyle that you're comfortable with. That's going to be different for everybody, of course. But reduce your expenses. And then at the same time, you've got to figure out a way to increase your income. Because that's when you start to see really quick results. It's Reducing your expenses is great, but if that's going to shorten your debt payoff time by a few years, it may not be worth it. So you've got to really do both of those things. And the common question that I typically get after that too is, well, what do you do to increase your income? Because I think that's the hardest thing. And Eric, I've gone through your podcast quite a bit. So I see that you've got a lot of really good entrepreneurial side hustle interviews So start there for sure. Get some inspiration. And then ultimately just look around your house and see what kind of stuff you can sell. I think that's a really good place to start. One fun money-making project I've had, I was when I moved into my last apartment, which I just bought, we bought a house a few months ago and and we're there now. But before this, we were renting for a little over a year. And when we were moving in, there was a box of records, like old vinyl records sitting next to the dumpster. And I grabbed that box of records because it was someone's throwing it out. Obviously, I actually found out who threw it out. They're like, oh, yeah, we don't want it. And I listed them on Amazon and I've made hundreds of dollars. And that's just from something I found next to the garbage. So no you way. Have, totally. Yeah. So I actually just got an email this morning from Amazon. The $19 is on the way from when I sold a couple of weeks ago. You know, and that's just junk. So if you really do look around your house, like Whitney said, there are probably things that you thought you would use a lot and you don't use anymore maybe things that you haven't used in more than a year. And if you haven't used it in a year, why do you keep it? Why does it take up space in your life, in your house? <laughs> so, you know, sell it, make some money. You never know what you could get. And when we 
know from the FinCon world, like Adam Baker, uh, he's not an active blogger anymore, but he used to be at Man vs. Debt. And I think the site's still up and going. But Adam was in huge debt, and he just started, as he said, selling his crap. And selling crap got him out of debt and turned into this whole awesome business. That is a great place to start. I love that. That's so, amazing. I know, totally, right? Like people, you could pay off your debt totally with the junk that you bought that got you into debt. That's, that's an interesting <laughs> story, right? You know, the average millennial today, you know, they, they struggle with money. They have a lot of questions. They don't know if they should prioritize paying off debt faster or saving first. Which do you think, or how would you want to balance that for most people? So let's assume that we're talking about the average millennial being somebody that has student loan debt, about $30,000, a car loan of maybe fifteen, and then they are also living on their own. They're, they're not living with their parents. So if that's the type of person we're talking about, then I think the best place to start is get enough savings that you can cover insurance deductibles. So that's first and foremost, because anytime you have a big emergency health or even like a car accident or any anything can happen. So make sure you have enough to at least cover those deductibles so that it's not a big stressor or you're not swiping the credit card to make sure you're uh, preventing yourself from doing that kind of stuff. So start there. And then I am a big fan of sacrifice a little bit of your time now for long-term results because I think it, it works and it sets yourself up for success later. And not to mention, if you take that money after you pay off your debt at an earlier age and you start to invest that money, that compound interest works in your favor big time. So I think it's really critical that you take it very seriously and you forego some of the the good things today, the vacations, the eating out for that long-term success. I think it's totally worth it. Yeah, there's a great saying. I don't remember where I heard this quote, but it was, if you do the things you have to do when you have to do them then you can do the things you want to do when you want to do them. Maybe it was the wall of a Jimmy John's or something. I think that quote gets down to the root of it, right? If we prioritize the things that we need to financially first, then we can have fun with our finances later. And you know, I have a similar story to you, Whitney. I had $40,000 of student loans when I finished my MBA. I was able to get through undergrad debt-free, which was a, a nice blessing. Thank you to the Boy Scouts of America for for that scholarship. But I you know, I got forty thousand dollars of student loans. That was as much as I made in the first year of my first job. So that was a lot of money. But by doing exactly what you said, by getting super focused, I mean I did you know my thing that I did at that time. That was my outlet that cost money was going to the bars with friends. I, I liked happy hours and I loved going to the dance music nightclubs, the ones that are like, boom, 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 boom. Oh, I love it. (laughs) That was my thing. So I was okay to spend a few dollars there. But then I thought of all the other places that I could save money. And that's what helped me pay off my student loans. And it was two years and six days to the day. And I always get mad that if I'd gotten payday one week earlier, it would have been under two years. I don't know how many times I've been like two years and six days that six days eats away at me, but I believe it. It, totally it. in grad school and in the couple of years after when I was dealing with my loans, I lived like a college kid still. So even though I was making a grown up salary, 
I lived on such a small budget that I had all this extra money each month that I could keep throwing into my loans. And by the end, I was paying, I think, $750 a month on average split up uh, in two payments a month. And then every bonus I ever got from work or any tax refund I got went 100% into my loans. And that's how I did it. It wasn't any secret weapon. There wasn't anything that I know from my MBA that other people can't do. It's just saving and living on that budget and putting the money where it needs to go. Because once those student loans are paid off, you can go to Hawaii or or save for a house or whatever the thing you want to do next is. Getting out of that debt, while it feels like it's so hard today, uh, in the long run, it's such a great success. And I've never met anyone who's regretted having paid off their debt, <laughs> just like you. No. It was always no. worth it. Yeah. And I I have to say too, Eric, that there are so many ways to stay inspired throughout that process. Cause I don't know about you, but when I was paying off my debt too, podcasts weren't really a thing then. I mean, they were kind of there, but they weren't as popular as they are today. YouTube videos were definitely around, but there's so many ways to stay inspired and motivated throughout the whole process. So I think surrounding yourself by podcasts like yourself, uh, all different shows, I think that's a really good way to stay focused. Do you have any favorite apps or tools that you think are the best way to track your money and track your debt payment as you're working to get out of debt? You know, I don't really get too much into the the app stuff. So personally, I just paper and pen for, for myself. For my clients, I use Excel. So like if I'm working with somebody, Excel, I think is a little bit cleaner. It's easier. You can We can both see what's going on. But I think we we tend to complicate it sometimes so much by trying to find this like perfect tech solution when sometimes it's just sit down, write down your numbers and make sure you check in with your budget and make sure you're not going over. So it really can be that simple. Um, so Excel's kind of my BFF when it comes to budgeting with clients. Yeah, I love that. I, I used to be an Excel junkie is what I said my job really <laughs> was. I'd sit in a cubicle and use Excel like eight to 10 hours a day. So I get that one. Um, you know, my oh, favorites- that's awful. I actually kind of enjoyed what I did. I mean, it was Excel in meetings, but you know that's why everyone has different jobs, right? You know, I, so I enjoyed that, but I enjoy what I do today a heck of a lot more. I mean, this is my job now. We get to hang out and, and talk with people um, about, about money and entrepreneurship. I love it, right? So if, if, I guess that goes to a, a total ADD moment. I'm gonna, we'll go sidebar it. Uh, <laughs> if you do what you love, it never feels like work, even though it does feel like work sometimes. It's it's just an awesome thing. So anyway, back to the back to what we're talking about. Focused on. What do you think millennials' biggest challenges outside of debt that they are need to overcome for long-term financial success? Oh, I'm glad that you asked that because this is something I've been giving it a lot of thought about too. I'm very fortunate that I get to teach personal finance here at Boise State. And so it's like known content, but I get to hang out with a lot of millennials. So I'm starting to see the trends and the patterns. And frankly, one of the the worst things that millennials have to deal with that's very unique to this generation, this is the first generation that's had to deal with it, is comparison between others on social media. Oh my gosh, it's bad. So it's so easy to hop on Instagram and see, oh, Eric went to this cool place or he just bought his brand new house and start to immediately compare your life to Eric's or somebody else's. And I think that's the worst thing we can do but it's the struggle that we millennials specifically have to have to go through is staying in your own lane, keep your head down, focus on your own goals and realize that literally everybody's in different places. And sometimes on social media, we are showing 
our highlight reel. I mean, that's typically all it is. You don't want to show the the boring, mundane stuff that's day to day. You show these really cool trips that you took or this really awesome new car that you got. And we're seeing that, but we're not seeing the back end picture of how much stress they're in, how much debt other people are in. We don't see that. And I think that that's really a detriment to us specifically as millennials. Every once in a while, I'll peek in and see what the rich kids of Instagram account is doing, you know, with their $5,000 bottles of champagne and yachts and helicopters and all. But yeah, it's, it's true. It's exactly true. I like to say, you know, who cares about keeping up with the Joneses? They're probably in $10,000 of credit card debt. And they don't tell you that part. They just, you, you just see their stuff, you know. So forget about the Joneses. Just do your own thing and, and put your money into what you value most, which might not be the same thing as your friend or your family member or whatever. But you know, if you don't spend on what you don't value, you should have more money for what you do value. And if you prioritize, there's a lot better opportunity for success, I, I believe. You know, thank you so much, Whitney, for joining today. If people want to connect with you, if they want to learn more, if they want to hear your story, where should they go? The best place to go is the Money Nerds podcast and just hop around, listen to a few episodes. It's an interview format, much like yours. So I get to interview people with cool money stories all day long. It's really awesome. I love it. And I love uh, I love when people open up about their money. It's one of those things like we say, you know, you should never talk about religion, money and politics in polite conversation. <laughs> and if that's true, then I never have polite conversations because I'm like, those are the most interesting <laughs> things is money and religion and politics. And there, you can learn so much hearing about how other people deal with their money. So let's break down those taboos. Definitely check out Whitney's show. Any last parting words? Just stay focused on your plan, guys, whatever that is. Just go at your own pace and stay off of social media. Don't don't compare yourself. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Whitney. Thank you. I had so much fun. So there is another one in the bank, ladies and gentlemen. As always, you can get show notes at personalprofitability.com slash episode. And then the number of the episode in this one, it's personalprofitability.com slash episode seven five just the numbers there seven five so you know, whitney and i we had a blast chatting we actually had so much fun she invited me onto her podcast so make sure to check that out there will be a link to that in the show notes or you can just google or or uh search in in apple podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts is a good place to do that but i had a blast again this was just a fun interview i'm going through stories of paying off student loans and entrepreneurship this is kind of the core of what the site's all about and what the community is all about. So profiteers, please um, take action. Go through with it. It's all fun stuff. You can pay off your student loans. Um, as you heard in our stories, it's it's not just this pipe dream idea. If you really focus and work hard enough, you can hit any financial goal. If you are looking for help in uh, reaching your financial goals, make sure you join the email list at personalprofitability.com slash email. I have a bunch of freebies that I'll send you with that, including a link to our private Facebook group for profiteers like you. So if you are trying to start a business or fix your finances, whatever your money situation is, uh, please do join us there on Facebook, uh, the email list everywhere else. It's all good stuff. So thank you for sticking around till the end. And until next time, stay profitable. <laughs>